People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. Game week two is already here and it's time for another episode of Premier League Insights with InfoGoal. Back again to share some insight from the InfoGoal model is Jake Osgathorpe. How are you, Jake? Did you enjoy the return of Premier League action? Yeah, very well. And I've got to say, I was quite impressed by some of the quality of the football um, and it's the first week back, but quite a few teams really impressed. Obviously, the highlight being Everton's win at Tottenham um, and you know the way that Everton went about that was really impressive. So, Hopefully, we'll you know that continues into game week two. We've got four more teams joining the fold, haven't we? Um, that sat out last week, so a full full fixture list this time around. That's it. We're going from eight to ten games. Um, as I said last week, we've we've added a little bit of a, a friendly competition to track some predictions for this season. Uh, we had Fulham versus Arsenal as Info Goals highlight game, and Liverpool versus Leeds as Pinnacles highlight game last week. We both got it pretty wrong on the under three goals for Liverpool versus Leeds. Um, Pinnacle did end up the week slightly up after going with the over 2.5 in the Fulham-Arsenal game when Fulham uh, Infogol went with Fulham or the draw. Um, so Pinnacle has selected Chelsea versus Liverpool this week as the highlight fixture. And what, what has Infogol gone, gone for, Jake? Yeah, we're going to take a look at Wolves versus Man City. I think that um, along with the, the Chelsea-Liverpool game is the highlight fixture of, of, the, of the round, really. Two really strong teams. Right, well, we'll get into those games and our predictions in a little bit, but are you ready to run through the rest of the fixtures? Yeah, let's get started. Cool, so we've got Everton versus West Brom as our first game. You mentioned it right at the top of the show. There are a lot of talk about Everton and, and their win against Tottenham. New signings went straight in from the start. Plenty of praise for Alan and James Rodriguez. It was... I mean, it was, if anything, it was a controlled performance. Both teams did have a couple of decent chances... The XG was very even at 1.28 for Tottenham and, and 1.29 for Everton. For me, the last 20 minutes of the game felt very slow and laboured and I couldn't really tell if that was general fitness concerns after a lack of a proper pre-season or whether it was Everton managed to stretch Tottenham for the previous 70 minutes and kind of play them off the park for a bit. Um, their, pro- their opponents, West Brom, on the other hand, they obviously had a, a pretty poor start to the season. 3-0 they lost to Le- Leicester. 2.9 XG they gave up in the process. Over half of that did come from two Jamie Vardy penalties, though. So that's obviously a little caveat or note to look at on that one. Um, in terms of the odds, Everton, unsurprisingly short, 1.537. So a 63% chance of the win for them. West Brom are at a 15% chance with odds of 6.49. Um, and in terms of the goals market, we got 2.5 and 3. Betters are happy to take the under in this one, though, at that mark. There is a lot of hype around Everton, Jake. Has it impacted these prices, do you think? Are you looking the other way or is there still value with the favourites on this one? Uh, definitely no value in, in backing Everton as favourites. Uh, we make them odds-on favourites, but um, like you said, they're about 1.53. I think we've got them at around 1.9. Um, so there's a, quite a big disparity there. And, and I think there was a slight overreaction Um <clears throat> to the fact that they did go and beat Tottenham. But, you know, anyone who listened to the show last season or listened to the pre-season show um, will know that we don't rate Tottenham that highly. So, um, 
Yeah, like you said, it was a very controlled performance. The final 20 minutes to me, you said, you know, perhaps a bit lethargic from the players, but I just felt like Tottenham ran out of ideas and, and Everton really did well in, in limiting them, especially in the second half. So it was a really strong display, but apart from the, the Richarlison open net, which he missed in the first half, Everton really didn't create a, a big chance other than that. So it was far from a perfect performance, but the way in which they controlled the game was really impressive. As for West Brom, they were pretty toothless in their uh, opener against Leicester, like you said, just just the 0.46 expected goals, which is a, a really poor effort. But interestingly, the highest XG of all the newly promoted teams, even though Leeds did manage to score three times, I'm sure we'll get onto that later. Um, but you know, they they did they hang, hung in there for about an hour, uh, and then once the first goal went in, it, it really was Leicester f- looked like they found their groove and their confidence, and uh, you know, two really clumsy penalties were given away. I think that you know they. That game in particular highlighted the, the step up for West Brom and how much they're going to have to improve if they're going to compete at this level. Uh, and while I do think that they're probably going to lose this game at, at Goodison Park, uh, with Everton giving a 52% chance of getting the win, um, I, I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring one. I mean, we, we spoke about Everton in the, the sense that when Ancelotti came in, up until the, the hiatus, they were averaging around two expected goals per game. And after that, post-break, they, they averaged just around 1.1 expected goals per game. And, and you know, although they did look threatening and menacing, they didn't really create too many good chances. So I wouldn't be too surprised to see Everton win this uh, in, in a low-scoring affair. And, and that's where we're finding our, our, our main source of value or, or the bet that I really like in this game is, is with the under 2.5. Um, 55% chance of the unders, according to the Infogol model. The market's around 46%. So you're getting a decent amount of value there, a, a very tasty price um, and that is definitely where I'd be going in this one. We've had 90 minutes of Hamas Rodriguez and all of a sudden he's looking like he's going to be the the player of the year according to <laughs> the fans and the media. Any thoughts on him? Far too early to tell but do you think he's as good as, as people think he can be? Listen, he's a high class operator. Um, his touch is silky smooth. Um, I rate him really highly. I think he was unfortunate not to get um, you know too much game time at Real Madrid over the last few years. Obviously he went to Bayern Munich on loan. Um, absolute coup for Everton. I think he's a fantastic player, and he just brings a calmness when he's on the ball. Um, and he doesn't waste it either, which is um, you know really key. You compare that to some of the other wide players that Everton have got, you know Theo Walcott and Bernard, for example. They can be quite wasteful, and, and I think Hammers really look, he, he looks after the ball very well. And, and obviously, you know when you've got players in behind him as well, like Decorey and Allen, who are p- protecting. Um, I think that they're, they're very well set to, to take full advantage of, of what quality he does have. Our next game is Leeds versus Fulham and two of the newly promoted sides who are still looking for their first win. As you said, Jake, some some pretty poor expected goals numbers from all the all the newly promoted sides at the weekend. Leeds were involved in that 4-3 thriller with, with Liverpool while Fulham seemingly just, just rolled over against Arsenal. They created just 0.16 XG during that game and they gave up 2.19 to Arsenal. And... Despite the praise for Leeds, and they they did get a give a good account for themselves, but they didn't do too much better in terms of the underlying numbers for the game. They got 0.33 expected goals against the reigning champions, and they did give away a rather high 3.12. Um, that that figure for Liverpool was slightly inflated by the two penalties, but it's it was really a case of I don't think Leeds were were in the game anywhere near as much as a 4-3 scoreline suggests. In terms of the odds, you can get Leeds at 1.613 for this. The draw is 4.14 and Fulham are priced at 5.88. 
The market is really pushing leads here. They're almost at 60% chance of the win. Um, are you looking at the 1x2 here or is it one potentially that the, the goals market becomes more appealing? We've got a, a bang on 50-50 split at 2.5 goals here. So what are your thoughts on the odds for this one? Yeah, this is a fascinating one, really, looking at the market. I mean, 1.61 for Leeds to win is, for me, extremely short for any newly promoted team to play any fellow newly promoted team. I don't think we saw any odds um, similar to that last season. Uh, And I do think that it is a little bit, um, you know, it's been driven down the price purely based on on the the fact that the result was so close at Anfield. On any other day, it could have finished 3 0, and, and you know, or maybe even similar to what happened to Norwich on the first day of last season where they got beat 4 1. Everyone was saying it was a nice, it was a spirited display. Um, and Norwich actually created more XG at Anfield than Leeds did um, the other day. So, really fascinating to see how the price of Leeds has, you know, has been affected by that. Like you said, 0.33 XG is not a very um, impressive performance from an attacking standpoint, but I do think there was a lot of positives to take for Leeds from there. From their display, obviously not the defending, giving away two really soft penalties. But um, you know, from a, an attacking perspective, I thought they were very clinical in, in the way that they passed the ball forward and progressed the ball. Um, and obviously, the finishing was exceptional on the day and um, taking advantage of a few mistakes. So, um, yeah, they were brave. You know, you got to give them that. They were going toe to toe with Liverpool pretty much in, in terms of a one v one all over the pitch and, and a high press. So they're going to be really fun to watch over the course of the season, undoubtedly. But in terms of the the price for this game, I think it's way too short. We've got them at around forty nine percent, so give or take even money two point zero five. Um, so the, the one point six is way too short from our perspective. As for Fulham, understandably, um, you know the market is sided with Leeds strongly, obviously based on Leeds's result, but also the fact that Fulham's result was um, you know so tragic and the performance was so um, pathetic. Really, I think that's probably being kind. They they've really failed to create anything of note in attack um, while looking very vulnerable defensively from obviously the set pieces. They look vulnerable. They look vulnerable on the counter-attack. Um, and they've got, a, you know, they've got a lot of work to do if they're to have any chance of staying up. I think that the, the their performance and West Brom's performance in particular um, last weekend make real cause for concern um, for their survival. I know it's early days, but we did have those two down as um, you know as our strong favourites for relegation compared to the rest of the Premier League. So, um, you know, they've got a lot of improvement to do. Whether they'll do that here or not, I'm not too sure. Um, I think Leeds are the better of the two teams. Based on the Championship XG last season, Leeds were by far and away the best team in the Championship. They had an expected goal difference of around plus 45. Fulham, who ended up finishing fourth um, and only a few points out of the automatic promotion zone, were actually seventh in our XG table where they expect a goal difference of around plus six. So the, the gulf in terms of process last season was huge. Um, I think that even money is, is around a, a fair price. Maybe slightly odds on would be fair, but at those prices, um, I'm not going to go near Leeds just purely because um, Fulham have got the capability to try and keep it tight. Um, instead, I do quite like the look of the overs. Obviously, we saw both concede plenty of good chances last weekend and, and the overs represent small amount of value. We're at 51% chance of over 2.5 goals. The market's at 50%. So you've got a small amount of value there. Um, and in terms of both teams to score, that also makes quite a lot of appeal, actually. 54% chance um, on the on the model and 50% on the market. So from a value perspective, the both teams to score is, is the best shout on this. 
from a 1x2 perspective, you're looking at opposing leads uh, based on our model. But I, I, I definitely would put up both teams to score as, I, as my best bet in this one. Right, on to Manchester United versus Crystal Palace. Um, we haven't seen Manchester United in action this season, but they ended last season in, in great form to get to that third place in the table. The underlying performance was always there, despite a bit of a, a blip in the middle part of the season. They they play a Palace team who, I mean, they looked really poor last season and then they started this campaign with a pretty impressive 1-0 win against Southampton. It was a pretty close game, but it was really a case of quality over quantity as Palace, they created the fewer chances, but made sure that the chances they did create were good scoring opportunities and, and obviously limited Southampton to to lower probability chances. And that ultimately was was what made the difference. Um, for the odds, Manchester United, very, very short for this. 1.324. That's a 73% chance of starting the season with a win, according to those odds. Um, that leaves just 17% for the draw and a measly 10% for Palace, who have odds of 927 what does the Infogol model make of this one, Jake? Pretty much in line in the 1x2. Um, we're 67% chance of a Man United win, so just a few percent back. 12% uh, chance of a Palace win, so we're giving them a little bit more um, chance of getting the win. But um, it is hard to make a case for Palace. I know they had a good win uh, last weekend against Southampton. I thought they were really impressive in the way that they controlled that game. Um, obviously, like you've mentioned there already, the fact that they, they had five shots in the match, but Two, uh, yeah, three of those were were big chances. I think two had around a forty six percent chance of being scored, and the other had nearly sixty percent. So, um, yeah, quality over quantity was, was is is the exact right definition for for that game. But you know, this is going to be a much tougher task um, against a, a Manchester United side who finished the season extremely well. Um, no team from Premier League picked up more points than Manchester United um, after the January transfer window closed. So it coincides with Bruno Fernandez's um, arrival at the club. Interestingly, the underlying process before Fernandez and after Fernandez, or since Fernandez, uh, is exactly identical in terms of the expected goal difference per game. So um, you know they didn't the process didn't improve drastically. Uh, the attack, attacking process actually went down from around 1.8 to 1.7 and uh, the defensive process also improved. That went down as well. So um, although the results really did, you know, fire United up the table, the performances remained at a level that we'd seen pretty much all season long, which fortunately for United were at the level that, that you know we'd expect from a team to finish in the top four. So it's gonna be interesting to see how they um how they or if they can continue that really. Um it, like I've said it, it's a tough one in the one X two there isn't any value whatsoever. I'm the over two point five the models at fifty one percent compared to fifty nine percent on the market. So there is good value in, in backing a low-scoring game. And I, and I do think that that could well be the case, given the fact that Crystal Palace will be playing a deep-line block and, and Manchester United could have a bit of rust after not, not playing and not having a proper pre-season. Um, but instead, I, I think both teams to score no could be in, uh, you know a value play, really. 56% chance of both teams to score no on the model. The market's at around 51%, so you've got around a 5% margin there um, in terms of the value. And you know Crystal Palace had major struggles on the road last season in terms of creating chances. And I think that that could continue against a, a Man United team that was improving defensively as the season finished. You kind of mentioned it there, a bit of rust with Manchester United. <clears throat> Not a, a proper pre-season. Obviously, they're, they're one game behind most of the other teams that have already started the season. There's going to be people that are probably using that as an angle into this one and, and probably maybe overcompensating for it. Do you think it's something... 
can one game really make that much of a difference or is it potentially the level of elite players that clubs like Manchester United have? Obviously, they've been on England duty and things like that. They, they're going to be fatigued and, I mean, probably not even match sharpness isn't going to be there. So so what are your thoughts on people that will, will use that narrative to, to look at the markets? Um, I think it's pretty fair. But in this case, like I would be more worried for Man United if they were playing, um, you know, a Manchester City or a Liverpool straight out the blocks. Um, you know, teams that would potentially dominate the possession against United and have them chasing. I'd be worried if that was the case. But obviously they're playing a Crystal Palace team who will be happy to let Man United have the ball. And then, you know, in terms of <clears throat> in terms of that, Man United are going to have most of the possession. They'll be able to play at a tempo that suits them. And, and you know, hopefully from Manchester United perspective, they can pick that tempo up when they want to um, and, you know, try and break Crystal Palace down. But yeah, it's definitely something to think about. I think, um, I think that, you know, it's not even been that long. I mean, Man United's last game was exactly a month ago. Um, so they've basically had a month off. Whether the, you know, you mentioned there the international duty as well as the, you know, holiday in, I guess, I guess. But these guys nowadays are, are in such pristine condition and they keep themselves very well and, and, and very fit, ready for the season. So I'm not too worried. But like I said, in this game in particular, I'm not too not too worried just purely because, um, you know, United are going to be able to control the tempo. They, they can make Crystal Palace do the running with the passing as opposed to, you know, United chasing shadows if they were playing the likes of Manchester City. Arsenal versus West Ham is our next game. And as we said earlier, Arsenal dominated Fulham and they've now got another fairly easy fixture potentially to to carry on that good start to the season. Um, I'm not sure if it was Fulham's lack of attack or or Arsenal's defence, but they looked really comfortable and and they clearly put their chances away to get a convincing win. As for West Ham, I mean, it's it's pretty doom and gloom. A a home game against Newcastle looked like their, their only winnable fixture in the opening eight games and they were woeful. They hit the bar a couple of times, but they were really limited to to long range, low probability chances. Newcastle controlled the game. The big 0.59 XG chance for Wilson obviously inflates their numbers, but it was they were certainly the better of the team. And I think even away from the pitch with West Ham, there seems to be issues going on, protests before the game and and stuff like that. How big of an impact that's having on performance, who knows? But it's just a lot seems to be feeding into their struggles at the moment. Pinnacle gives West Ham a, a 16% chance here of bouncing back with the win. They've got odds of 5.93. Um, it's another game with another short favourite, Arsenal of 1.568. So they've got a 63% chance and you can get 4.45 on the draw if you think it's more likely than the 21% chance shown by the odds. I know the InfoGoal model doesn't rate Arsenal, Jake. I know you don't rate them. You often like to go against them, but is that going to be the case again here or, or are they value against West Ham at this short price? Um, they're definitely not value at the short price, but I uh, I won't be backing against them. I think that you know, a lot of people potentially getting carried away with their, their performance and, and you know the manner of the victory at Fulham. I think Fulham are probably going to turn out to be one of the worst teams in the Premier League. So, um, you know, seeing Fulham get beat 3-0 convincingly week in, week out might not be, um, you know, that, that could be a, a regular occurrence this season. So I'm, I'm holding judgment on on Arsenal in terms of where they're at at the moment. I think that the the performance was a massive improvement. Um, I, I like the the shape that Mikel Arteta deployed and, and the front three. I thought William was really impressive. But, 
yeah, I'm not going to get carried away. Uh, the model actually has Arsenal's odds on for this game. Uh, we've got them at 53% chance, so quite a you know quite a way away from the 63% that the market is suggesting, <clears throat> and that is because um, we have West Ham as a mid-table team, and it looks as though the market are pricing West Ham up as a uh, you know a team that could be in a relegation scrap. Um, I know I know that you mentioned there that the, their run of fixtures is pretty torrid after this. Um, and you know it could well be that they are in in the relegation zone after that little eight game start to the season. So it could well prove to be um, you know another struggle season for West Ham. But um, yeah, I, I'm not not going to be backing against Arsenal. I thought they were the way that they went about the the business at Fulham was really impressive. And if if they go you know if they if they play in the same manner here with that swagger and you know I think they've got they've got nice balance in that team um, that played at Fulham obviously you had Xhaka and El Nene basically just breaking the play up uh, passing the ball forward and then you've got a dynamic front three so um, yeah exciting times really at Arsenal and I think Mikel Arteta deserves a fair bit of credit for where he's got them to right now as opposed to where he picked the team up from so yeah a little bit of optimism really for Arsenal um, although I won't be backing them at this price West Ham yeah, like you say, it was a big game for them, really. You get Newcastle at home. They went off at even money favourites. I, th- I thought that that's probably a fair enough price, um, given the, the way that Newcastle played last season and West Ham finished the season. But as you mentioned, there's there's so much turmoil off the pitch that sometimes it can seep onto it. And, and it did look as though West Ham were a little bit jaded and lethargic in that game, which was um, quite a surprise, really. And <clears throat> they were another team that looked like they ran out of ideas towards the end of the game in terms of creating the chances like you said, having plenty of shots from distance. And, um, you know, David Moyes has got a job on his hands to to get that group together now for this game and put in a, a better performance. Yeah, yeah. there, there isn't <clears throat> too much value in, in the 1x2. Obviously, opposing Arsenal is, is a value play, but I'm not recommending that. I think that um, as we go by, as the weeks go by, uh, and Arsenal continue putting in these decent performances, then their rating will improve quite drastically. So, um, I think that's just one to swerve at the moment. Both teams to score is is probably where we're going to find our value. And instead of both teams to score, yes, I'm taking a look at both teams to score. No, I think that um, the way that Arsenal have been defending, not only uh, last week, but um, at the end of last season, looks like they're much more, more better organised. They're keeping more clean sheets. Uh, and West Ham looked pretty toothless against um, a Newcastle team that, conceded around 1.9 expected goals against last season. So both teams to score no at 48% on the model and, and around 45% on the market looks a, a an interesting angle from my perspective anyway. And and the goals as well, the goal line's quite high at 58%. Um, I, I personally, I think that we could be in for a bit of a low scorer. 49% chance of, of under 2.5. The market's around 43%. So under 2.5 is, is a... A value play. I don't think Arsenal have it as as easy as they had it last week. And, and prior to that game, they really struggled to create chances um, at the back end of last season. Uh, the only way, the only reason they were scoring as many goals as they were was was thanks to some really clinical finishing. And obviously that can happen again this week. But over the you know over a long period of time, that that kind of clinical finishing is is unsustainable. So I'm very tempted to side with the unders, but I I, I would prefer to go with the both teams to score now um, in terms of my best play for this one. Next up is Southampton versus Tottenham. I know we're only one game in, but I was I was pretty disappointed with Southampton's start to the season, to be honest. They're 
they're still down as as one to watch after a few decent seasons without finishing as high as they potentially should have. But they just they looked a little bit rusty against Crystal Palace, I think. Um, we've talked a lot about Tottenham's performance. I think a lot of people, as you said, that that maybe haven't looked at underlying process, that don't listen to the podcast, they they would have been surprised by that poor performance. But we know that over the last eighteen months or so, that's that's probably where they're at. Um, they were fortunate to scramble to sixth last season. And when you haven't get, got anyone on the pitch that's going to keep the ball or anyone looking to press the opposition after going one down, it's really difficult to to kind of think about what much much more can, can be done or what else they can do to, to take the game to someone. I think at the time we're, we're recording, Regulon has nearly signed or, or confirmed to sign. They're working hard to get bail in apparently. I don't think any of that's going to make too much of a difference for this weekend's fixture. But they are still the favourites here, Spurs. 2.47, 39% chance of the win for them. Southampton are a 3.05, so they're a 32% chance. And the draw is at 3.36. Um, very even 1x2 market, but in this one, it's one where betters are all for the under. Um, the goals mark is set at 2.5. Not many are keen on the over from that. And it's easy to see why when you look at the first the first fixtures from these two that we saw um, and how they performed. Southampton, to me, they, they still seem like the obvious play here at those numbers. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, um, this is a quite an interesting game from a betting perspective. I think, I think the, the market has priced Spurs up around about right. The difference that we've got um, compared to the market is that we think this is going to be quite a high-scoring game. So the draw is actually... Um, well, a lot longer on the model than it is on on the market. We're a twenty five percent chance of a draw compared to around thirty percent on the market. So, um, you know, you're getting thirty five percent chance of of a home win compared to thirty one percent. So there is value in back in Southampton, um, but Spurs are, are priced up about right. So very intriguing to to see how that's been priced up. And yeah, both of these teams were really disappointing. Um, Last weekend, I think both will be looking for much better performances this time around, especially from an attacking standpoint. I mean, I mean, <clears throat> Southampton finished the season so well, um, you know, climbed into nearly climbed into the top half, and and they were scoring goals left and right. Really, they were creating plenty of chances, but they really struggled against Crystal Palace. It was a very strange performance. Um, Crystal Palace really did um, have them exactly where they wanted them. Uh, I expect much better this uh, in this game. I think that. I just wonder if it was maybe a bit too cautious the approach that that Ralph Hasenhutl took at Crystal Palace, and and you know this is almost a free hit. You're not really expected to go and beat Tottenham um, or any of the so-called big six. So you know I wouldn't be too surprised to see them um, you know open up and have a real go at Tottenham and try and get that first win on the board. And if they lose, then you know then they weren't, probably weren't expected to win anyway. So um, yeah, I, I'm expecting. A better display from Southampton. I also think that that Spurs defensively are um, a very gettable. Um, obviously, Everton didn't create too many big chances, but there were a lot of spaces um, for the likes of Richarlison and, and Hammers to to exploit. Um, obviously, Andre Gomez played in the in the ten position and basically had the freedom of the park at times. Um, and I think they Southampton play in a similar manner to how Everton did. I think that they can cause real problems for Tottenham. Spurs were, um, I thought. I thought the first half they weren't too bad. Um, I think again, Everton really were the ones who looked the most composed on the football. Uh, Spurs were, like you said, they really struggled to do any sort of pressing. Um, the front four on paper looked pretty good. Ali was back in the team. Lucas Moura 
Son and Kane. Um, you know, that looks like a really strong front four on paper, but the result was very far from what would have been expected. I think, um, you know, apart from Deli Ali's nice lob up to, to Doherty for his chance, I don't think any, I, any of the four did too much um, in the game to warrant any sort of praise. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really strange to see where Tottenham are at the moment. I mean, like I said, on paper, the, the team and the squad is really good and, you know, it could be challenging for, for a top four place. But the way that they're going about the business really isn't impressive whatsoever. And, you know, although Reguillon is, is a really impressive player, I do quite like him if that deal does get done. He's not going to be a game changer for Spurs. It's not going to make them, you know, all of a sudden certainties for the top four because there's a lot of deep-rooted issues at that club um, in terms of the, the recruitment, um, especially, uh, in my opinion, in the midfield area. I don't think they progressed the ball well enough. I think they missed Giovanni Lo Celso. Hoiberg, was, uh, who's obviously going to be playing against his former team, he was a bit of a bystander. The game passed him by most of the time. So, yeah, I'm worried about Spurs for you know over the course of the season and i wouldn't be at all surprised to see southampton um you know inflict another defeat on on jose Mourinho and his side but instead um you know like i said from the top we, we think this is going to be quite a high scoring game and both teams to score makes quite a lot of appeal to me um in this one you've got a 59 percent chance on the model markets around 54 percent, so you've got a decent bit of value there in backing both teams to score and i think that given the way that both of these teams played last season and uh, the fact that they'll hopefully open up um, in this game as opposed to what happened in the last game. I think that could be a really strong play um, in this one. And, and obviously the overs as well is is probably a bigger value play, but um, I could also see this finishing 1-1. So, I, I mean, over 2.5 goals is, is is the best value play according to the Infocore model. But from my perspective, I'd be happy to take the both teams to score at a slightly shorter price. And is there, we mentioned there the transfers for Tottenham. Is there... Is that the solution to the problem to go out and buy, or is it a, a tactical shift that they seem to have? They've been unable to to make that under Mourinho at present. Do you think there's is there any signs there that things are beginning to change from that that real downward spiral they're on with with Pochettino? Um, I don't I don't know. I I just find when I watch Spurs, they just seem really easy to play against. Like you know, Everton had the freedom of the park for most of the game. They had the comfort of the football for most of the game. Uh, there was never really any, um, you know, apart from when Matt Doherty made a charging run forward, there wasn't really any urgency about Spurs' play. And, and it's almost like they're, they're reliant on moments in matches. Um, you know, they want one chance to fall to Harry Kane, who is very clinical. And if he puts that away, then all of a sudden the complexion, the game changes and, and they can counter-attack on you. But if you don't get those moments, then... They're, I find them a really, really easy team to to play against. You watch, even towards the back end of last season when they were getting results. You know they went up to Newcastle one three one, but I thought they were the, the second best team in in that game. Um, so yeah, it, it's a strange one. I think that the sign of Gareth Bale would obviously be really exciting. Um, it would bring a, you know more quality to that forward line. But for me. <laughs> You watch every other team play in the Premier League, and most of them play, um, you know, pressing football. They play a press, whether that be a very smart press or a very intense press, like a Leeds. But Spurs, when I watch them, they, they don't do any of that, and it just seems as though it's very easy for the, their opponents to to play through them and, and create chances. So, until something changes tactically, um, I don't think that the the signings will make too much of a difference. 
Well, our next game is Newcastle versus Brighton. And we said in our out, outright preview pod how Newcastle's final league position didn't really reflect their performance over the last season. Some teams we've said finished lower than perhaps they should have. Newcastle was certain one, certainly one team that, that finished higher than they, they probably should have. And we had them down as one to note as one of the many reg, relegation contenders. But they seem to have strengthened and their, their new players started well. Callum Wilson and Jeff Hendrick both got on the, on the score sheet in their game against West Ham, which, as we said earlier, it looked like a, a pretty comfortable win. I think the in the Brighton-Chelsea game, the scoreline really flattered Chelsea. Um, it seemed to, to happen a lot to Brighton last year. A close game on expected goals, 1.38 for Chelsea with that penalty in there against 1.27 for Brighton. You could easily make a case for Brighton winning that game, but they actually lost 3-1 and it kind of just feels like they've started exactly where they left off. Um, the market does have Newcastle as the favourites for this one. It's is very evenly split though, 2.71 for the home team, 2.90 for Brighton on the road and, and the draw is at 3.16. It does also seem like like betters aren't expecting goals in this, under 2 and 2.5 taking most of the money so far. So that is it's a low goals total and the, favor, the, the betters are favouring the under there. What are your thoughts here? Potential value in Brighton bouncing back, maybe? Um, now, we, we, we've got this priced up pretty similar to the market, if not more or less identical. I think that I think it's fair price. Um, really impressed with Newcastle at West Ham. Um, I thought they were, well, they were much better than I expected. And, you know, you threw in two of the new boys straight away, um, Lewis and, and Wilson, and obviously Wilson grabbed a goal. I, I enjoyed the fact that he played with a, a front two and, and had a bit of a go with Wilson and Carroll. Um, and I think if they do that again um, and are playing that same sort of manner of dictating the game and taking the game to their opponents, I think that they'll be absolutely fine this season because I've never questioned the the capabilities and the quality in the squad at Newcastle. It's always been, for, for me anyway, the tactics and, and the way that they've set up. Um, Brighton, very similar in the sense that very impressed with their performance um, against Chelsea. They were really, really unfortunate to lose that game. and It ended up with 3-1. Uh, the XG totals were were pretty close, one point two seven to one point three eight, but zero point eight of that came from um, Chelsea's penalty, the Jorginho. So, uh, what's that? Zero point six from uh, expected goals from open plays is, is what Brighton allowed. That's a really impressive figure against a Chelsea team that many people are expecting to be one of the highest scoring teams this season or one of the best attacking teams. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot to like about what Brighton did, and obviously the. Lewis Dunk miss at two one was was a, a key turning point really. If he puts that in the net, uh, who knows what could have happened? Because in my opinion, Chelsea were really poor on the night. Um, yeah, two two sides who did impress me in the first game. Um, Newcastle's process last season was poor. Brighton's away process last season was poor. So I think that the market's got this price pretty, you know, pretty spot on. Basically, the the fact that they've got uh, Newcastle's. Uh, 30, 36% favourites suggest that the, the market does think that Brighton are the better of the two teams, but with home advantage, Newcastle are marginally favourites. Um, I think that's 100% fair. I think that's correct. Um, and in terms of looking at uh, for a value play, there isn't there isn't much on offer at all in, in the 1x2. Um, over 2.5 is, is pretty much the same. I think, the if anything, the overs is, is probably a bit more of a value play at the prices than, than the unders. The unders is very short at around 1.5. Um, the model goes around 58% compared to the 62%. So, um, 
sorry, the overs is, is, is probably the value play at 42% compared to 38% on the market. Um, both teams to score is pretty much spot on with the market as well. So this is a really difficult one to find um, find value in. I think given the way that Brighton played against Chelsea, that they're going to be quite open and quite, um, you know, they're going to take the game to, to Newcastle and hopefully Newcastle will do the same, in which case uh, both teams to score around even money could be um, a really interesting play. Uh, and if you wanted a little bit of a bigger price, the over 2.5 is actually the biggest value play that we've got um, based on the Infocom model in a game that the market has priced up very, very tightly. Now on to Pinnacle's highlight game in, in Chelsea versus Liverpool. Obviously, it's going to be one of the probably two games this weekend that gets a lot of focus. We've got the reigning champions and the team who have, have spent big to try and mount a challenge to them. It Again, we've talked about both of their, their respective results already. It, it looks like Chelsea had the more comfortable win looking at those results. But, but as we've said... They were quite lucky against Brighton. Liverpool didn't give much against much away against Leeds and, and they just happened to be clinical as, as they always are. These two weren't too far apart according to expected goals last year. I think defensive defensive setups were, were probably the key difference. Um, certainly the goalkeepers. Liverpool, obviously, as we talked about in quite a lot of detail, managed to influence their, their opposition's ability to get shots off while Chelsea seemed to concede from pretty much anywhere on the pitch. Um, evidence of that again against Brighton with Kepper, not necessarily a howler, but those are the kind of, of shots that you don't see Liverpool conceding from. Um, Liverpool are the favourites heading into the match, but but not as short as some might have thought. Odds of 2.19 has them at 44% chance of the win. Chelsea are given a 30% chance with odds of 3.22. And as you'd expect, the market is also anticipating an, ent- an entertaining game with a total of three goals uh, on the market. Plenty of money either side. There is a slight lean towards the under, though. As I said, Pinnacle's highlight game for our predictions challenge. Um, Pinnacle has gone for Liverpool, straight Liverpool winner at 2.19 in this one. So what are you going for, Jake, and why? Yeah, I find this one a, a very difficult game to pick. Um, a, a really val- a value bet that I really like in, really. Um, I think that the, the market is priced up pretty fairly. I think if, if you'd have come to me three months ago, we would probably have had Liverpool as... Uh, as huge value odds against um, heading to Stamford Bridge. I do think that there's been a little bit of, um, well, I think the, the goal the goal line in particular is perhaps slightly inflated. I mean, usually when the top or the better teams in the league meet, we do tend to get low scoring games. I know that they had a uh, you know, 5-3 at the back end of last season, but Liverpool were, were really not playing for anything uh, at that point. They'd already won the title. Uh, they were just having a bit of a party. Um, in the in the game previous meeting, it was it was two 0 in the FA Cup to Chelsea. Uh, in the other league meeting, it was two one to Liverpool. Um, so I, I, I think the goal line is probably a little bit too high um, at, at three and three point five. I think that instead, and I, I, I really wasn't impressed with the way Chelsea played on on Monday. The the way that they attacked, I thought they were. Um, they were, it looked almost like it was it was off the cuff as opposed to um, you know really strong tactical plan. I know that there's a few new players in there, the likes of Havertz and Werner, who are looking to find the feet, and I just thought that the whole system really didn't get the best out of either of them. Um, and if they play in a similar manner um, in this game, I really can't see them causing too many problems for Liverpool. Really, um, it, it, you know that being said, I think Liverpool. 
their performance against Leeds, obviously there's a couple of defensive errors in there, but it was just a clinical display from Leeds that, that meant that the scoreline was closer than it should have been. So, um, yeah, I, I do like the Liverpool pick uh, from the 1x2. From the model's perspective, we don't have that as, as a great deal of value. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm struggling to find um, a bet that I really like. The unders is, is what is being flagged up as um, on, on the analyst verdict as a small value bet. But I'll take a bigger price. Um, I'll go both teams to score no. Um, I think that's around, it's just over 2.5, maybe 2.6. Uh, we're at 41% chance of both teams to score no compared to around 37 on, on the market. So there's there's a small amount of value there. Um, and yeah, I think that if, if Chelsea come out and play in, in a similar manner um, as they did against Brighton. I don't think Liverpool will have any problems whatsoever containing them. I was really disappointed. I was excited on Monday night to see how the, the new big big money signings would fare. Obviously, not all of them hit the pitch, but um, you know, Brighton really did play them off the park for, for about 80 minutes. Um, and you know, if Chelsea play anywhere near as badly as that, I think Liverpool could win this one quite comfortably. And I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them keep a, a clean sheet and looking at the last six matches, it's it will go down as a rare clean sheet given the fact that they've conceded um, in all of the last six Premier League matches. So, um, but yeah, I think that for me anyway, that's probably the bet that I like the most out of, out of what's available. Yeah, certainly from Chelsea. I mean, all those signings that came in. I mean, Werner did look like he had, or he had certainly the potential. They've obviously got Pulisic, who's injured, ZX, who's injured. Um, the one for me, and again, we it, it's the flip side of that Hammers Rodriguez kind of reaction was Kai Havertz and how potentially he didn't he hasn't hit the ground running and all of a sudden people are claiming that he's not suited to the Premier League. I mean, just again, if if for you there's there's clear kind of he's done it season in season out in the Bundesliga for a little while now. He's he's a very talented player. I'm, I'm guessing you're the same that that you have no doubts that he'll. He'll slot in and, and add something to Chelsea's attack. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I mean, if you look at his touch map the other day, he, most of his touches came out wide, and that isn't where he has most of his impact. Um, I think that was just poor judgment, really, from Lampard in terms of um, you know when he was picking the team and, and dropping Havertz into like a, almost a wide position. I think that's really not the best way to get to get the best out of him. I think he needs to be playing in behind Werner as, as a number ten, um, and potentially, I mean, obviously. Injuries limited them, but um, you know, for me anyway, playing almost a four-two-three-one um, with Havertz in behind Werner, perhaps Pulisic and, and Hudson Odoi out wide, or Ziyech out wide, um, or alternatively play a back three um, with the likes of Alonso and, and um, James as, as your wing backs, and then you can play Havertz and Mount in behind uh, Timo Werner, um, or even play Abraham up front with Werner and, and play Havertz in behind. And for me. I think that that one bad performance shouldn't really be, um, you know, it should be written off based on that. And uh, like I said, I I think that the way that he was used on Monday night was not the right way to use a player of his calibre. So our next game is Leicester versus Burnley and Leicester had a a pretty hefty fall from grace last season. They were, we talked about it in depth on the, the outright show that, second heading into the new year I can't remember what it was 12 wins or something um, from kind of 16 games or whatever and then just uh, a handful of wins after that point in the season they ended up finishing fifth um, and obviously missing out on the Champions League Um, 
the the process was really good with the results at the start as well and it, it also just tailed off drastically they they started this season with a win against West Brom and and they did get that boost with two penalties as you said they seemingly grew into the game but maybe another one that potentially flattered them and it's, it's something like this is going to be another another step up and a test for them against against a Burnley team who are, are one of the sides yet to play they were for for some strange reason featured quite a lot in in relegation talk and those markets even at a fairly short price i think there's something there where there's there's stuff going on behind the scenes that they could potentially lose more key players Dyches not in uh not too favorable of the board's decisions apparently so if he then goes i guess those relegations or relegation odds could look a little bit different um as for this game, it's it's right that Leicester obviously enlisted as the favourites. Um, they're at one point six six six. The draw is at four point zero one, and you've got five point five three on Burnley. So, how are you looking at this one? Do you think Leicester are going to carry on that good start and maybe replicate where they were last season, or is this one that they they they'll struggle to to perform as well as they did against West Brom? Yeah, I think they'll struggle. Uh, obviously, Burnley a completely different animal to West Brom. Um, much better defensively. Um, and, and very hard team to beat. I mean, Burnley last season lost only two of the last 16 Premier League games. So they went nearly half a season losing just twice. Uh, one of those obviously came at the last day of the season against Brighton when they got the slippers on. The other one came against Manchester City in the first game back after the restart. So really tough team to beat at Burnley and I expect this season to be no different. Um, Leicester, I, I was impressed by them. Um I watched the first half and wasn't impressed, but it <laughs> came out after the break and the goal really did settle them down and, and um, they never really looked in any trouble throughout the match. Uh, I thought West Brom were pretty tame though in terms of their attacking intent and you know it could well be the same with Burnley, but you know they've got the likes of Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes back fit for the start of the season, which is a massive bonus for them. And it does mean that they're a much bigger threat to, to Leicester than West Brom were. Um, from a from a one x two perspective, I think this is another home favourite who who is way too short. Fifty eight percent chance on the market. We make them around two point zero five forty eight percent chance of getting the win. So odds against, um, and that for me is is the main value play is to is backing against Leicester. Um, so being the other draw, you get you can get around two point two two point two five for Burnley to go to the King Power and avoid defeat. I know that they've obviously not played since the the last Premier League game. They've had an extra week really to to get some preseason done and and get preparing for this game. So I think that if anything, that'll be in their in their favour. I think Sean Dyche will have them well organised, well drilled, and, and and ready for the start of this season with a squad there now who he knows are going to be there one hundred percent week in week out. I mean, they came back after the after the break and there were there's quite a lot of players missing due to the the fact that they chose not to play for contract issues, the likes of um, obviously Jeff Hendricks, who's, who's now gone and left to go to Newcastle, but he's got a group there now who um, you know fully committed, and I think that they can go to to Leicester and, and get a result. The process last season, uh, one point four expected goals for, one point five expected goals against, um, was you know really solid, very worthy of a mid-table finish. Uh, and if they carry on with that that same level of process, they'll they'll have absolutely no problem staving off relegation. Um, and you know, hopefully, I'm I'm proved right. But I think it's quite laughable that they're included in that relegation talk at this moment in time. As you mentioned, if the likes of 
you know, if Tarkovsky ends up leaving or, or perhaps Sean Dyche leaves, I think I'd be more worried about Sean Dyche leaving than Tarkovsky. But if Sean Dyche does leave, then all of a sudden you would have to make a real case for Burnley being relegation candidates because I think he's, he's a bit of a miracle worker. Um, yeah, for me, the best value bet in this one is to back Burnley or the draw. I also like the look of the unders. I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I think Burnley, coming off the back of um, you know a shortened pre-season, will try and keep the game tight. I could see maybe finishing 1-1. Um, but under 2.5 is also a value play. You've got a 55% chance on the model, 51% on the market. Um, yeah, and in terms of both teams to score, that, that's pretty much spot on. Um, like I said, I, I won't be surprised to see this finishing 1-1. I know that's uh, very much in line with the, the binary Burnley tag, uh, which I labelled them towards the back end of last season, thanks to their n- number of 1-1s and 0-1s and 1-0s. So, um, yeah, like I said, I, I, I think this is going to be a much tougher game, obviously. The, for Leicester than West Brom was and, and opposing them is the way to go. Yeah, I think binary Burnley might might just carry on this season and it seems Burnley and Unders <laughs> is a, a match made in heaven. So our next game is Aston Villa versus Sheffield United and we've got another one of the teams who are yet to play in Aston Villa. Obviously, they've, they've gone big in the transfer market again. Martinez from Arsenal is now confirmed. They've also got Ollie Watkins coming from Brentford. They, they spent big... When coming up last season as well, last season as well, it didn't quite work out. They obviously only just survived, so maybe that was the ambition there anyway. But this is a year where they're going to want to improve, and, and obviously they've they've spent the money to try and do that again. Um, Sheffield United did get their season underway, but it was a pretty poor start from them. Two down inside ten minutes, I think it was maybe a little bit over. Um, but Wolves just controlled the game from there. Sheffield United were the they were kind of the big story from last year. They were kind of in the Champions League race for all of a couple of games, but realistically people thought there was potential there for Europa League. But when it came to the end of the season, mid table is is still a, a decent enough finish for them. Um as for the the game here, the market is is very evenly split. We've got Villa at two point seven four, the draw at three point two one, and Sheffield United at two point eight three. So, do you think there's any value on offer on offer here, according to the Info Goal model? Um, there's a small amount of value in in back in Villa. Um, we're at thirty seven percent chance of a Villa win. Marcus at around thirty six percent. So, there's an extremely extremely small amount of value there. But um, yeah, we're very close to having this as a pick'em. Really, um, I think the the only the, the higher goals total than what the market is is predicting is, is meant uh, a. a, a Shorter, sorry, a longer price on the draw, um, but yeah, very, very closely matched um, based on our model. This game, really interesting to see what we're going to get from uh, from Aston Villa. I know you said it there that, <clears throat> excuse me, last season they spent quite a lot of money in in, uh, in transfer window, but we looked at it. They actually had around you know over ten players left the club, um, either that because of being recalled from the loan deal or, or contract run out. So they had to bring in that number of players just to make up a squad. Um, this time around, it looks as though they are actually strengthening as opposed to filling places on the pitch. The likes of Ollie Watkins was was really impressive last season in the Championship for Brentford. He racked up around 26 expected goals, um, at around 0.6 expected goals per average match. He looks a good signing. Um, obviously, Martinez was um, you know, a player who really caught the eye towards the back end of last season for Arsenal. Stepped in really well um, in the absence of Bernd Leno. Obviously, led them to a, an FA Cup um, victory as well, or helped them to that anyway. Um, and in terms of expected goals and, and XG2, 
which obviously expected goals from a goalkeeper's perspective. And um, in terms of XG to over overperformance um, or underperformance, uh, Martinez actually ranks as the second best goalkeeper in the Premier League last season. Basically meaning that his expected goals, he overperformed. Um, he made more saves than would have been expected based on the chances that he faced, which is a really good sign for Aston Villa, given the fact that um, all of their goalkeepers that played last season, um, Rayner, Nyland, um, and Tom Heaton, all ranked um, in terms of, or, or were in the underperformance category. So um, with a minus percentage, as opposed to Martinez's around 28% overperformance. So really good sign in that. Um, for Villa from a goalkeeping perspective. Uh, and if they carry on playing the way that they did uh, post-break, I've got no problems um, or no worries whatsoever with Aston Villa staying up. Um, you know, We talked about them quite a lot last season being the worst defensive team in the league. That was the case up until the hiatus. They averaged around 2.4 expected goals against per game. But then they came back and allowed just one expected goal against per game um, from the last 10 matches which was a really incredible turnaround, really. Um, you know, Dean Smith worked very hard, obviously, in, in that little break period to, to, to tactically tighten things up. That worked and ultimately led to them staying up um, on the final day. If they continue in that manner, then they're going to be a tough team to beat this season. Obviously, they'll be looking for, um, you know, a little bit more going forward in terms of creativity. That's why they're bringing in, um, you know, a few more exciting attacking players. The likes of I've already mentioned Watkins, but um, Bertrand Traore as well, who is supposedly very close to moving to Aston Villa to bring um, a little bit more attacking flair. So they're going to be an interesting team to watch uh, our Villa this season. I'm, you know, I'm quite excited to see where they can go. As for Sheffield United, the yeah, the, their game against Wolves was pretty much over after ten minutes. Two um, 0 down against one of the best defensive teams in in the league is is you know really tall order and. Um, I'm sure Chris Wilder will have been seething with with the way that his team started the game. And obviously, after that, there wasn't too much that they could do. Wolves were very comfortable in just sitting in and absorbing the pressure. And, um, you know, I think I think it was more of an impressive Wolves performance than a disappointing Sheffield United performance. In the end, they were comfortably beaten. Um, Wolves created by far and away the better of the chances. But that now is is four straight defeats in the Premier League, stretching across two seasons, obviously. Um, but four straight defeats, three of those they failed to score. So there's a lot of work for Sheffield United to do. Um, obviously, you'll remember this game was the first game back after the restart. Um, and it was obviously probably going to go down as, as one of the most famous games in Premier League history, just for the fact that someone forgot to switch the goal line technology on. And it ended up keeping Aston Villa up. <laughs> that point obviously proved vital for Villa um, in, in their survival fight. Bournemouth would have stayed up on goal difference otherwise. So, um, yeah, hopefully we don't get a controver controversial um, refereeing incident in this game. Um, but I do hope that we see more goals than we did in that game, which obviously finished 0-0. Uh, Sheffield United last season... Uh, although they were one of the better defensive teams in the league based on goals conceded um, and obviously they were really, really impressive for the first half of the season away from home. Based on underlying numbers, they were actually one of the worst defensive teams in terms of um, uh, yeah on their travels, allowing around 1.7 expected goals against per game last season. Um, so they really need to tighten up heading into this game. And uh, I'm not expecting fireworks in this. I think that both these two teams priorities at the moment will be um, to, to be a little bit tighter at the back um, and try and keep things defensively sound. So uh, it's 
no surprise really to, to see, see the unders is taking a lot of the money, uh, around a 58% chance of under 2.5 goals, around 1.63. Um, if anything, the values with the overs, we think that that goal line's a little bit too low. Uh, but, you know, I, I think voting to score, we've got that priced up pretty much identically to the market. So it's another game that's really difficult to find any huge value that I like in. If anything, um, just the, the Villa win at quite a big price is, is maybe worth half a point um, just because I think that they are they're going to be better this season from an attacking standpoint. And obviously defensively, uh, if they carry on the way they did, they're going to be really hard to break down. So, um, yeah, Villa to win is probably where I'd go with this one. And lastly, we've got Wolves versus Manchester City. And we do talk before we start recording on the podcast and we've we've got our, our highlight games to pick. And, and this is the one that InfoGoal has gone with for their highlight game. It's one, along with Pinnacle's highlight game in Chelsea versus Liverpool, that, that's really got the makings of a great game. City are obviously going to want to start their season strong after last year's disappointment. And I mean, it's going to be a real tough test in travelling to Wolves for the first game. Wolves, as we said in their game against Sheffield United, it was a solid start to the campaign. They're very consistent at the back. They have got a real great balance in in midfield and attack. There's some decent depth in the squad there too now. Um, They did the double over Manchester City last season, so they're going to be full of confidence. And as we said earlier, there is maybe an element of the the extra edge of, of a competitive game under their belt compared to City, who are coming into this fresh after... The Champions League was their last outing. Um, I mean, for City, we everyone knows how good they are going forward. I don't think it's up for debate that they are the best attack in the league. Last season, their downfall really was giving away those clear-cut chances. And, and once the gap had opened up to Liverpool, although people wanted to believe it and the narrative was there, it, it never really looked like they were going to catch them. Um, in terms of the odds for the game... Manchester City, our favourites, as you would expect, they're, they're posted at 1.526, so that suggests that they have a, a 66% chance of a, of a win. Wolves are at 6.58, so that gives them a 14% chance, and the draw is at 4.46, so there's the remaining 20% chance there. It's an intriguing game here, Jake. The, you've got the added pressure of it being InfoGoal's highlight game, so how do you see this one playing yes, out? Yes, I think this is... A, this is- Probably uh, a more fascinating game than, than the Chelsea Liverpool from my perspective. I think that quite a lot of people have underrated Wolves at the start of the season, um, thinking that they're going to fall away from that top six, top seven, and, and finish more mid table. I, I don't see that being the case whatsoever. I think that um, the level of consistency that they've shown since arriving back in top flight has been simply astounding. I, I mean, they finished fifth in our expected goals table in both of their seasons in the Premier League, um, obviously, finished seventh both occasions as well uh, in the actual table. But that level of consistency is is, is frightening, really, and, and I don't see that changing in this uh, in this upcoming season. And <clears throat> for me, they they are um, the one of the, the trickiest teams to play against. They're one of the toughest teams to beat. And from a selection perspective, uh, I have to take them uh, to avoid defeat in this game. I think that the the price about a Manchester City win is way too short. I think that it is um, insulting almost to to a Wolves team that. I've only lost once in four games against Manchester City since promotion. Um, you know that is a, is an incredible record, really. Uh, one draw and two wins in there as well. So, um, yeah, I, I really think that the, the Wolves have the the tools to get something from the game. Manchester City were 
obviously we spoke about it many times, excellent from an underlying numbers standpoint last season. Averaged 2.7 expected goals for per game, um, allowed 1.1 expected goals against per game. But the issue they've had, which is something that we spoke about as well, is, is the fact that when they do concede chances, they do tend to be high quality ones. And, um, you know, Wolves are a team that are very clinical. They play on fine margins. And we saw that the other day against Sheffield United. They had their two first shots pretty much and they and they scored both. And, and that was it. The game was over because they're so good at defending. Um, the other thing I liked about Wolves was the slight change in system. Um, obviously, we know that Doherty's left to Spurs. Um, the left wing back, Johnny, is out injured. So uh, the new left wing back, Markel, played. Uh, I thought he had a really solid game um, in, in that wing back slot. And obviously, Adama Traore played at right wing back for most of the game as well. So they're very flexible. Um, I also thought that um, you know the front three of Pedro Neto and, and Daniel Pedence and uh, Raul Jimenez were very impressive in their own right. Dendonka was really good with his, his, his runs between the lines. And, um, you know, that was not to mention the likes of uh, Ruben Neves and, and Diogo Jota that, that were warming the bench at that point. So um, they are a deep squad now. I think that they obviously they brought in a couple of young Portuguese players to, to bolster that squad even more. Um, and I think they're in a really good place. It'll be interesting to see what Manchester City we get here. Obviously, the... The embarrassment almost of getting knocked out of the Champions League um, by Lyon at that at the quarter final stage was um, yeah that that's going to have given them plenty to think about over the the last month. Obviously, they've got the squad to to be able to deal with it, and you know the likes of uh, Aguero is going to be back fit for the start of the season, which is a huge boost. But I think they're going to have real struggle breaking Wolves down. Um, and for me, I mean, the info model has Manchester City priced up at odds against of around. Um, yeah, two point one or two point two, forty four percent chance of a Manchester City win compared to the you know the huge odds on favourites that the market has them. So you know, siding with Wolves or the draw is is really the 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 biggest value play available in this match, and and it's a you know, I'm a massive fan of Wolves and, and Nuno, and and I think that he has got Pep Guardiola's number. Uh, they've met four times, as I've said, in the Premier League since Wolves was promotion. Drawn once, uh, Wolves have won both the but uh, both the last two meetings, um, and you know they've been competitive on expected goals in in those games as well. I mean, uh, I think they limited City to one point seven expected goals uh, while creating one point two expected goals themselves in in the two 0 win at the Etihad, um, uh, and the game uh, the Molyneux last time uh, was three two, wasn't it? Uh, they've created two point seven expected goals. Did Wolves? Albeit against the Manchester City team with ten men, but they did come from two 0 down, which um, you know makes that even more impressive. So, yeah, I, I think this is a really interesting game. I'm I'm really looking forward to watching this one. Uh, in terms of the goals, I know you're going to tell us what Pinnacle are going for in terms of um, a selection in this game, but I think we're we're in agreement that that we think the goal line is a little bit too high, um, and for me anyway, the value is is back in the unders. Um, but yeah, I think you'll probably go into a bit more detail in that. But from, from an Infogol perspective, Wolves or the draw is the play. That's it. Yeah, you, you hit it on the nose. We are Pinnacle's prediction for this one is is under 2.5 uh, at 2.23 in terms of odds. And we will, of course, be publishing these on Twitter and, and tracking that that week to week progress. So early days yet. We'll have to see how we get on throughout the remainder of the season. Um, but in terms of today's episode, that that is all of our fixtures for game week two. Great chatting to you, Jake, as always, and, and thanks for coming on. Yeah, pleasure as always, Ben. Thanks.
And thank you to everyone for listening. As always, if you do want help taking your analysis to the next level, then download the InfoGoal app on iOS and Android. You can also follow at InfoGoal app on Twitter and get them on Instagram for some added insight. The latest odds for Game Week 2 are live on Pinnacle.com. Remember, you can bet more and win more at Pinnacle than anywhere else with our high limits and low margins. As always, please remember to gamble responsibly. 